Welcome to Staffing Stories, hosted by Andy Moss. Andy has been in the staffing industry for over 25 years, first as a recruiter, then eventually an account manager and business owner. This is the podcast where we sit down with fellow staffing owners to get the real stories of the successes, the failures, and the lessons learned along the way. Welcome back to Staffing Stories. I'm your host, Andy Moss, and I have a special guest with us today, Mark Agostinelli from Boston, Massachusetts. Wow. Yeah. Boston. Uh, and but, thanks for having me, Andy. Hey, I'm glad I'm glad you're with us. And you know, me and Mark were just joking about the Patriots right now. And, you know, being big football fans, I always like to follow dynasties like that. I know. I think we're witnessing uh Either uh, the chapter is certainly closing. I don't know if the end of the dynasty is here, but uh, we'll see. I am fortunately a uh, I love the Pats, um, but I'm very lucky to also love the Boston Bruins, who are uh, saving grace at the moment. So, yeah, they're doing good. Well, I'm glad you're with us. Um, Introduce yourself to our listeners that may not know who you are. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Mark Agostinelli. Um, I am born and raised a greater Boston guy. Um, been in the staffing business now for, uh, I think coming up on 15 years, started as a recruiter, um, moved into sales and kind of sales, sales leadership. And, uh, now I'm in a position where I'm responsible for all of operations at our company here, which is engineering, manufacturing, and IT focused. Well, you know, it's a, it's a great story when you see somebody that started at the bottom at entry level in our industry, like recruiter up. Walk me through that experience. I mean, 14 years. I mean, you know, we're dinosaurs when we get in that, that, yeah. that time. It is. It's wild, right? They're dog years and staffing. Uh, yeah. My former uh, mentor, or my mentor used to say, I, um, it was wild. I was hired in 09 uh, and the economy had still not really kicked back from that recession. Yeah. Um, we've got a mentality here, which is we try to, we try to protect the ox. That's that's what we refer to the organization as. And if we take care of the ox, the ox plows the fields and takes yep. care of us. So uh, I was one of the people hired, even though we probably shouldn't have been hiring people in 09, uh, preparing for the um, rebound back. And uh, it was a grind, man. I recruited for about uh, five or six months and then flipped over to sales. And I remember... I remember being about a year, year and a half into staffing. So probably six months into sales. I remember sitting at, I was living with my parents at the time. I remember sitting at the dining room table, just being like, I don't know. I like, this is, I don't know if this is going to work. And I remember my dad or, or maybe it was my mom, but I think it was my dad was like, you know, the beginning of any career kind of just sucks. Yeah. He's like, I, he goes, I, you know, try to parse if it's the job that sucks or if it's just hard right now. Yeah and stay with it. And I'm so glad he did. I remember my GP was at like, you know, three or 4,000 at the time and a year later skyrocketed. So it was, it was a, um, happy that I, uh, stuck with it, but the beginning was definitely rough. For sure. Well, you know, I try to tell my recruiters is like, you're, you're planting seeds now as a young recruiter that you're going to reap later. Don't yes. leave when the yes. reaping comes. It's like no. you're wasting your time if you think you're going to bail out in a year, six months, because uh, it's just the good stuff happens for all the hard work you're 
you're running your head into a wall with right now? It's, it's a process. It is a process and you got to, uh, you, we, uh, you know, the mentality we use internally is first downs, not touchdowns. The football guy, right? It's like, it's like, just be, just, be, just be happy with the first down, right? Did you get people on the phone today? Were they good? And, um, what'd you learn? So yeah, it's, it's a, uh, certainly a challenge. So do you hire individuals to be recruiters and just find your sales people from that? Or do you hire them with sales in mind and recruiting is the byproduct of that? Uh, both. Okay. Ultimately both. I would say uh, like when I was hired, they, you know, it was very clear that Mark was going to get into sales pretty quickly. That was what I expressed that I wanted to do in my career, but they were like, you can't really sell unless you recruit. And yep. we, still, we still believe in that. Uh, yep mentality. So I, I would say a little bit of both. I mean, both on the, um, we hire recruiters that turn into salespeople. We hire salespeople, but we want them to recruit first. And we also hire experienced salespeople. But I do really, when we're hiring experienced salespeople, you know, one of the biggest things I look for is like, do they understand how the recruiting desk runs? Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a, uh, it's a, it's certainly, there's the empathy component, but then there's just a full on understanding of how it works too. Yeah. Unless you have just a, ungodly amount of contacts within a sector of business that you know it being specific or manufacturing it, it's you you need to sit and run that desk because you're going to ask somebody to do something that someone should have asked you and you, you got to feel it but um you know the reason i ask you that question is like you know we struggle with hiring a little bit of you know we find a person that's a great recruiter we just don't see necessarily the sales piece in them but we need solid anchor the recruiter yeah. yeah um but i know some companies just like they hire sales no matter what they make you recruit and you know, it's that they want to get you up and going it's it's a challenge i would say i would say the other challenge we run into on that andy is like people who are recruiters or sales and they want to become leadership and management that yeah. that i think that i think earlier at, in my tenure at davis we didn't do the best job having difficult conversations and putting people back in individual contributor roles because it felt so much like a demotion. Yeah. I think we've gotten better at being like, look, man, play to your strengths. And and yeah. we do, we do certainly have comp plans that allow our top performers to be our top earners too, which I yeah. think certainly helps that, you know, management isn't just the path of cash, but uh, it's Andy, I'm not going to lie. I don't have it figured out. Yeah. If, if individuals can park their ego, mm. everything works. It's but true. you, if you attach your ego to, I just was in sales or something like we treat sales or recruiting as equals with GP yeah. split 50, 50. There's not one that gets more than the other. Um, and that that's kind of how we do it, but it's, it, it works because I treat a, I mean, recruiting is the heartbeat of our organization well, and that's our revolves around that. But so when you look at your organization over the years, you've seen it change from technology, from people. What's shocked you or what's kind of energized you over the, the course of your career? Yeah, it's um, I will say that technology is cool. I, I think that. AI being the latest, obviously, kind yeah. of thing that everyone's talking about, right? We were at Staffing World. It was AI, 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 AI all day long. Um, and I, and I'm, you know, you lo you lovingly called us dinosaurs after 15 years in. I'm starting to feel like the old man on the front porch, being like, it doesn't matter about the technology. The business is still the business. Yeah. And I think learning from 
people who have been at Davis um, longer than I and are in our industry longer than I, like those are the same um, types of conversations when Monster and Career Builder came about, about these threats to the industry. And ultimately it, it's going to change, but I think the connection with people and the and the uh, consulting is it, it is what hasn't changed. I do think technology's made the job, uh, has made the mundane tasks in the job easier. I do, I do. I do also think that um, some of our hopes for technology have not helped like I, like still to this day I, I was laughing talking about someone else i mean just the time card chasing process is still um something that no matter how much technology you put in it we're still dealing with it so i um i love it um i think as i've grown certainly in our industry and then and, and matured in our industry the more uh, that technology has evolved, the more I think I've understand what our value prop is to the industry, right? Like what's, we're, what are we really doing for people? Yeah. We're, um, we're never going to get away from the phone and right. I, you know, you can use smoke signals, you can do bat signals, you can do whatever, but you got to get somebody on the phone mm -hmm. and that, uh, I am just, you know, we get too caught up into texting and, you know, stuff like, and I think those are great reach outs, but you've got to have a conversation and build that. What I call, you got to get yourself on the Christmas card list for this candidate. I like that. That's, oh, how, that's, that's how they have to think of you um, as a trusted advisor. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's the way I approach things. But um, again, it's just seeing a company grow over 14 years. You've seen the good, you've been through a couple of recessions. I mean, it's, yeah, you're, you're hardened by now. I, yes, I, the phone, I, uh, it's a people business and uh, I'm with you on, I think the technology helps you potentially get more people on the phone, but you got to make a connection and you can't, you can't do that through other mediums. What, um, what road paths do you have right now that you're kind of focused on or like kind of things that excite you at Davis company that um, you're jazzed up about? I, I do think that um a, a lot excites me i think that this was a very difficult year in staffing just yep. straight up and i'm excited uh I, I was excited by um some of the stress cracks that showed in our business i mean we got battle tested this year yep. and learned what we needed to deal with and uh i'm i'm excited that we've dealt with a lot of that are still dealing with with some of it but next year I, I i'm not overly optimistic about the market changing next year but yeah. i'm optimistic about our ability to manage our business in this market and yeah. and that's exciting well i you know election years are always interesting in our work but i'm a, of the phase like no one politically wants to mess up be no. the one the side that screws things up so right. i think next year is going to be I, you know, it's gonna be tough. Like you said, if we had to work 20% harder this year to get our business, we're gonna have to work 40% harder next year to get our business. I agree. I agree. But, but I am excited about, um, we've, uh, again, I think we've got some teams that are really coming together through it. I think that, like I, I mentioned stress cracks earlier, like you, you said, we, you treat sales and recruiters equally 50, 50, same, same in our business. Um, but for, for us, what we notice is the businesses that view it as Davis, customer candidate yeah. for one organism as a company those are the those are the groups that are doing the best so i i'm i'm not that excited about the market i'm really excited about our ability and how we're positioned to tackle the market like i think this market uh you said it recruiting's our heartbeat 
Yeah. We're, we're damn good at recruiting. And I'm that, that to me is a competitive advantage right now. Do you, do you all struggle with the attrition? Yes. Internally. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. 100%. I think a lot of companies are, are struggling with that. What do you, what do you contribute that to? Um, we, I definitely put it in two different buckets. I think the, there's the attrition of like people who are less than two years in our industry or our business. And like, you know, like I alluded to in my first 14 months, you know, I, I, I had my own, uh, 18 months. I had my own, uh, second guesses of if I would have done it. So when people turn over in the first two years, I'm a little more, um, I'm, I'm less surprised. I'm less surprised because you really don't know what you're getting into. Now the turnover, and I, and I would say proudly, we don't have a lot of turnover after two years. Yeah, we don't, and that um, that to me is a is a good thing. I, I'm okay with there being a little bit of uh, a little bit of churn in the in the early phases. I kind of look at it as like there's a practice squad and people are making it up to the team and down to the team and figuring it out. But but turnover after two years is something that um, we do a a decent job of protecting. I think by that point in time, they know what staffing is. Um, and it helps. I, I'll tell you, we've during the pandemic in particular, we hired quite a few people who were disenfranchised by their current staffing firms. Just the way in which certain things were handled during the pandemic. Um, that wasn't necessarily people centric and they were 15, 20, 25 year vets in our business. And so when they got here, we were excited because we thought we were just scooping excellent talent. I'd say one of the wonderful things that it's helped is it's really helped the younger generation or people like myself. I've never worked at another staffing company other than the Davis companies. Yeah. Good perspective for people like me because they're so happy to be here and they can tell other people that that. So it's like it helps a little bit with that grass is greener mentality. But yeah. um, I'd be lying if I told you I had it figured out. Um, well, I don't think anybody has it figured out. I've asked my team to fail fast. That's same, all I have. Same. You know, if we made the wrong call, just same. say I made the I wrong mean, call. I mean, we're in sales, man. Like, it is recruiting, right? But if you think about the archetype of who we hire, it's a sales job. And sales has incredibly high turnover, regardless of what industry it is. So, I, you know, I, I think there's a lot of spiritual and, uh, and personal discovery that happens when you when you got to when, when you got to build your own network and make money with your phone every day and figure out who you are. So you're a fellow podcaster with uh, beers and careers. Yes. You know, but let's, let's talk a little shop. You know, how'd you get into that and how's it going? I know. Well, I, I think I gotta, I gotta reciprocate soon and get you on the podcast. Wow. So you can really experience it here. But um, beers and careers was inspired because I, I, when I was selling, I sold mainly manufacturing and engineering. Okay. So much, much of my network became um, VPs of HR, operations, engineering, and manufacturing, right? That was, that was the network. And I was always shocked how I was meeting people, mainly in their late 30s, 40s, 50s, who were in these roles, um, loving what they were doing. But when I finally got them out for dinner or drinks or even just, you know, on the phone deep, I found out that they had no idea that this was, gonna, this was what they were going to be when they grow up. You know, at 20 years old, they had no idea. And sometimes at 35, they had no idea. And I just thought to myself, I, I grew up with a um, with a mom who was very much like experience everything. Don't worry about it. And a dad where every time I got home from college was like, what are you going to be when you grow up? And my mom would be like, stop asking him that. He doesn't know. It was funny. Right. And so but I thought to myself, um, man, if I could just document 
these people's career paths in a uh, in a pretty casual way just to help inspire people that's like look if you don't have it all figured out it's fine life generally takes care of itself and there are lessons along the way through mentorship uh understanding your strengths certainly there's certainly some commonalities people can pull and self-reflect on um but that was really that was really the genesis of it and and what we, we what we've sought out to do so but it's 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 almost i always wanted to learn from others in my industry and i was seeking that you know, not, not everybody writes a book, but, right. and, but I was like, man, we just need to have a podcast just asking questions to other staffing leaders of, you know, what's the secret sauce? What, what do you think? And it's been so cool to peel the banana back a little bit to get what these individuals think and kind of let the guard down. And uh, I, I've really, really get, you know, jazzed about it. Uh, it's, it is cool. I, I'm always... Um... You know, growing up in athletics and you think about your competition, you don't want to share anything with your competition. And, and yeah. it's been uh, that was certainly my mentality as an early manager. And then you, you learn that basically you're willing to share 98 percent of what you talk about with your competition because everyone's kind of in it together. Yeah. And uh, and I think that um, I've been I just I, I just come and say I've been shocked at how welcoming people are to sharing information with you through roundtables, industry events. I, it's been a, uh, it's been a wonderfully uh, pleasant surprise that I wouldn't have expected as a 24 year old kid. It's a fraternity. It is. It's, it's a, it's a, a fraternity that we all been there, done that. I think if we were struggling, we would all chip in like, Hey, what's going on? You know, yeah. especially the ones that we all see each other, ASA, SIA. I mean, it's just like, where's, where's this guy? Where's this girl? Yeah. But um, I, I love that. And I, I've not had anybody on this podcast say, I can't tell you that it's, mm. you know, ask me anything. I don't care. I'm open book. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's very cool that people are like that. And, and you know what? It just makes you want to give more. Right. I mean, that's yeah. kind of, well, there's some young people that need encouragement in our industry and they need to know, okay, I've been there and you're, you're going to be fine. It, yes. You know, we, I came from the age where we were actually using a phone book and paper resumes and, scanning everything in we didn't have any of the tech we've got now um but i do think some of the 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 hard score hardcore recruiting skills we did when we sat in the seat are lost a little bit because we we lean too much on some of these things i mean we didn't have indeed we didn't have zip mm -hmm. career we didn't have linkedin um i mean it's truly asking for referrals and stuff it's 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 interesting too because I think what's um what's the most dangerous thing that can happen nowadays too is you ride a market wave that's three six months anything yeah and you, you get lucky on LinkedIn or Indeed over a period of time and and that becomes the path in which you believe you get all your candidates and and I think for I think you know I had the benefit you know as a I'm an elder millennial technically um, I had the benefit of uh, of kind of seeing the business transition through like the advent of some newer technology, but still uh, such an emphasis on the database. Yeah. Right, the database. And, and so, um, yeah, I, the lessons that uh, people that um, I lean on, you know, in this building still to this day, who have, you know, twice as many years of experience to me, I, I think there's a lot of uh, truth in that, that you can apply to your day, day to day. Yeah. And, yeah, I'm telling you, man, I'm becoming an old man on the front porch. I still refuse 
to do the click to dial thing. I'm like, no, no, no. I want a phone. I yeah. want a phone. It took me years to, took me about two months to memorize where the phone numbers uh, actually are. So I don't have to look at the phone. I, that's a skill I got to keep sharp. So. Yeah. I, I like that. All right. So you look like you played a little lacrosse. I did. I did. How did sports develop you into what you are now? Yeah, I think um, that's a great question. I, you know, what's funny is I was a better lacrosse player for sure of, than any other sport I played. And, and, and lacrosse took me very far. I got to play in Australia for a little while and uh, it definitely changed the, um, it changed what I thought a sport could do for you and the relationships of, that I built. And uh, I feel so indebted to that game to give back. But I think when it comes to like the formative years of how athletics shaped who I am as a person, um, there were definitely moments playing college lacrosse, but high school hockey for me was probably um, more personal development. I was fortunate to go to a uh, Catholic prep school. You know, this is an era before schools cost, you know, 60 grand a year. To go. Yeah. Um, and uh, it was one of those schools where all boys and, you know, 60 kids tried out for the freshman hockey team and 120 kids tried out for a 20 person team. And the intensity and the preparedness to do that was huge. I made the team, I made varsity as a junior and I did not play like straight up 20, whatever, two games. I might've been on the ice a total of, uh, you know, 10 to 15 times. And it, and I remember you know, I remember it being a um, an absolute slog and something that I, I got I, I got depressed about it. Like I really I had my self-worth tied up in it and I had good mentorship from uh, my family being like, you know, this is you can either wallow in this or you can go get better. Yeah. Right. And um, I worked at a hockey camp, ironically enough, and my and I used to I used to get there early and work on stuff. And I, then I'd be on the ice for four hours and then go to the gym. And, and it was just like the, a wild routine all summer long. Next year, played first line, made the Catholic Conference All-Star. Like it was, it was, it couldn't have been polar opposites. And it kind of cemented in my brain that like the obstacle is the way. Yeah. And if I put my nose down, I can do things, but you got to put in the work. And I, so like when I actually am kind of up uh, against things. Uh, it's certainly an experience I uh, draw from, but also look to for strength in, in when times are tough. Yeah. And, and you probably look back on some of the coaches you had, how they formed you. I mean, I, I had a guy, I mean, literally he was a screamer. Like I, I told somebody the other day, I had secondhand dip syndrome because <laughs> dip would be sprayed all over me. And, you know, and I was played football and baseball, but it was just like, but he also loved on you, but it's just like kids these days have not had that experience. And, you know, it, it de definitely a different time. You know, it's funny. I, um, to answer your question. Yes. I had phenomenal coaches. I mean, I, I, I can even, I can't remember some of their names, but even I remember being like a fourth grader and having these hockey coaches that were like guys that were just volunteering and they yeah. were, to your point, just kick-ass people yeah. who were like really, who really love the game. I, so now I coach hockey and lacrosse for my sons and it, it is, it's a different world. It's a, it's a, it's definitely a different world. And I try to um, maintain as much of that old school attitude 
If you could uh, just take the parents out of it as as possible, ev- yes. everything would be fine. It's it is it is a uh, it's a fine line to walk. It's a fine, <laughs> line. It's a fine line to walk. But yeah, yeah. You, I mean, you know, you're you're you know you're impacting kids, right? And you know, like you know, at the end of the day, that uh, the way I've looked at it is, I don't want to be. Um, I don't need to be the coach that they love the most, but I want to be the coach they remember for, for yeah. helping them. And that's yeah. how I look at it. All right. So let's wrap up here. What initiatives are you at Davis company, you know, looking at or trying to accomplish in the next 12 months? Yeah, I think, uh, I don't know if it's that different than the other um, organizations in our industry, but we're living the who moved my cheese moment right right? Like, I, I think we've got, we've had phenomenal, solid customers for years. I think that we've, um, if I had to make a, uh, we've got customers that aren't hiring at the rate that they used to hire. However, they'll probably come back when the economy turns. And so right now it's, it's new logos for us and, and finding where people are hiring because people are hiring, yeah. just not in the same places that they were previously. So sales, 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 companies grow. When they acquire new logos, and that's um, that's that's the mentality right now. I, I love it. All right, so what's your uh, streaming show on Netflix, Apple? What what's the show you watch? Oh, I, so I'm the worst. All my friends make fun of me when they say, "What's your favorite show?" I will honestly tell you, I'm one of those guys who doesn't watch a ton of TV, but I do watch the Bruins with my kids. That's what okay. we, that's 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 our jam. Watch your thing. Watch some hockey at night. Yeah. All right. Well, Mark, I appreciate you being on the the hot seat with me here on staffing stories. And, you know, thank you for being vulnerable a little bit. and uh, Really appreciate it. No worries, Andy. Thanks for having me on, man. Pleasure. Thanks for tuning into the episode. Staffing stories is brought to you by 3D IQ. We are the future of staffing sales. Our solutions are designed to supercharge your sales and 3X placements, all without ever leaving Bullhorn. Direct market, deliver talent, and drive sales with our all-in-one tool designed for the modern recruiter. Visit 3diq.com backslash stories to learn more. Find staffing stories on LinkedIn, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts.